You're listening to Version Control, Pound and Grain's digital news show. Listen, I'm not here to tell you about Jesus. You already know about Jesus. Either he lives in your heart or he doesn't. Every woman wants choices. But in the end, none wants to be one of a hundred in a box. She's unique. She makes the choices and she's chosen him. She wants to tell the world he's mine. He belongs to me, not you. She marks her man with her lips. He is her possession. You've given every girl that wears your lipstick the gift of total ownership. That was none other than Don Draper, the charismatic hero from the show Mad Men. It's screen portrayals like this that have inspired countless young upstarts to dive into the world of advertising. From Mad Men to Saturday Night Live, the pitch is something that we've seen time and time again in popular culture. Even if you've never been in a situation where you've actually had to give a pitch, odds are that you have a pretty good idea of what a pitch is. If you don't, there is no end to self-described pitch gurus on YouTube that will teach you the tricks of the trade. They sound something like this. The things that make a pitch great is that, you know, if I had to net it out. For those of us who have done pitches in the past, there are a few ways that they could go. The win, the loss, and everything in between. One thing is for sure, if you've pitched in the past, you'll likely have some tales from the trenches. In this edition of Version Control, we're going to take things in a slightly different direction than we're used to. We have a special treat. One of Pound and Grain's founding partners, the ever-effervescent Sandy Fleischer, is in our Toronto podcast studio all the way from the west coast of Canada to drop some knowledge on us. Sandy's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in his storied career, and we're hoping to hear a few gems and hopefully pick up some tips and tricks in our conversation with this wizened ad sensei. How does pitching an idea differ from pitching a product? What does pitching digital solutions look like in 2018? Wouldn't everything be easier if you could just get your hands on the Glengarry leads? All of these questions and more will be answered. Ah, she's a beauty. You can't beat a Coleco. How many can I put you down for? A lot? Please say a lot. I need this. Well, everybody, we're back for another edition of Version Control, but it's special today. We've got my good friend, my business partner, our managing partner, Sandy Fleischer, live from Vancouver. Hi, Jackson. Hi, Nick. Hi, listeners. It's great to be back on Version Control. It's been too long. Yeah, we've been shunning you. Yeah. Not deliberate. Uh, and you heard Sandy say hi to Nick. So we're here with our usual audiovisual production amazing person, Nick. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jackson. I just can't get, wait to uh, get into this new version of version control, 
where we do a little uh, Q&A with an expert in his field. Yeah, we're mixing it up today. Yeah, today we're talking about the art of the pitch. Sounds dramatic, uh, because it is. Uh, what we wanted to do is, I'm not suggesting that it's because you're old, Sandy, because uh, you're not. You're young. You're young at heart. You're beautiful. <laughs> uh, but it's the amount of experience you bring to the table in uh, the marketing world. We thought it might be fun, and we got a lot of internal questions from the team about the idea of pitch, pitching, pitching new business, pitching work. And um, we thought maybe the best place to start would be if you wanted to share maybe like your a story without naming names or naming clients. Like what was your best or worst pitch moment? Like what, tell us a story. Best or worst? Um... Yeah, you know, when I think about the worst pitch moment, there, there, there's a lot of shortlisted ones. Uh, I think, uh, so, you know, maybe I can start with, with some of those and then just gradually build. How does that sound Just an approach? It sounds, sounds amazing. You know, I, I, and it is, you know, I was thinking about it and it, it's been, you know, a couple of decades worth of pitches. So I've, these eyes have seen a lot. Um, I think, you know, I'm just trying to keep it to some recent ones. Uh, you know, one awkward one was when we were uh, in the middle of our pitch and the, the fire alarm went out and we all had to evacuate. Uh, we never quite built up we never quite recaptured the momentum so that was uh the elements against us um and and i think there's been lots of uh impromptu surprise visitors during pitches one that i remember fondly uh was when we were pitching up on the 15th story of uh, uh of a now client's building and uh Partway through the pitch, a bunch of window washers appeared on the outside, and they were really interested in what was going on inside. And you know, we were doing our best not to laugh and giggle because the way we were positioned, we were able to see the window washers, but the uh, the, uh, the the client was not. So uh, that that made for an interesting uh, s- scenario. Um, you know, we've also been through. Uh, uh, external construction, and I swear that someone would start drilling every time I went to open my mouth and talk. Uh, that was a challenging one. Um, I uh, I can also think back to uh, there was a pitch when it was a real dominant client, and he just didn't really let us speak, so we didn't really finish a sentence within the entire meeting, and that that was a really interesting one. Um, I think, though, what takes the cake and the, and the worst one was the time that I was sprayed by a skunk on the way to the pit. <laughs> I, uh, there, were, there were about five or six of us in the pitch, which incidentally was a problem in and of itself, way too many people. But uh, this was the culmination of about a six-month process. And right before heading to the pitch, I was at home walking my dog, and my dog lunged at a skunk, and the skunk sprayed both of us. And I didn't really know what to do, so I locked my dog within a room of the house and uh, did did my best to, to clean up and headed into the pitch. And uh, need, needless to say, 
we we did not win that mandate, but uh, you know, happy happy ending to that one is now over at Pound and Grain. We do work with that client. They will they will remain nameless, but for the Pound and Grain version of the pitch, I was smelling great, and I really think that put us over the top. So skunks are definitely like a pitch problem. So stay away from skunks. Yeah, those those are definitely all uh, external factors. And there's also been bad situations with internal factors beyond our control. And, you know, not so different from the client who kept interrupting us was, uh, and this happened a couple of years ago, Every single thing we presented, the client uh, just spoke up and said we were absolutely wrong to the point where I knew that uh, this was not going to be a relationship. And we, we ended the meeting a bit early in, in, uh, in, in that case. So some, sometimes, you know, what, what's that? You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Kenny Rogers, sir. How do you recover mid-pitch if you get tossed a curveball? Yeah, I think, I mean, there, there's a few elements to it. I, I think one part is, you know, we, you need to be really well prepared and know your material so that you can react to those curveballs and the environment, to, you know, questions within the room. I think the most challenging part is because pitches tend to be uh, – team efforts. So there's often uh, three or four people in the room, or even if it's just two people. And uh, if there's a change in direction, everyone has to go in that direction. And, uh, you know, I, I actually can think, Jackson, of a pitch that you and I were in a few years ago, where it became pretty apparent uh, towards the beginning of the pitch that the client's or the, 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 the potential client's ask was quite different in the room than the initial ask. And everything we'd prepared, it hinged on that initial ask. And uh, I, and uh, presumably you and Graham as well, had all decided we should really switch gears. And I, just to make sure though, before I went off and zigged where we thought we were zagging, I, I literally said, guys, we're, I'm gonna do an audible here. And we're going to change directions. And that was a, a pretty overt cue to the rest of the team that we were going to change things up. Yeah, I, I think like the audibles, I think you've called those a few times over the years. And we've probably done dozens and dozens of pitches with you and I in the room, Sandy. But I always find that those ones are more memorable or authentic because you're off script and do, do you do you tend to think because I know in your mindset Sandy you you are very focused on preparation you love rehearsals and I'm not trying to make fun you love a good prep rehearsal where some of us maybe me and Graham hate uh, rehearsals do you find that those audible ones come across as more um I don't know, human than a, than a rehearsed, really highly coordinated pitch. Yeah, I, I think there's always a danger of coming across too wooden. Uh, that's the right word or term. Uh, so I, I do like to rehearse and I do like to prepare, but I don't like to over-rehearse. So there's still, you know, some uh, dynamic element to the presentation. But I think really what it comes down to is uh, – being able to go through the material enough to internalize it 
not so that it can be spoken about, you know, in rote fashion, but so that it, it can be completely understood by the team. And, you know, it's one of those, you got to know the rules before you can break them type scenarios. Totally good. What, um, I, I have so many questions, but, uh, before we get into too many, um, meat and potatoes ones, we thought we'd ask, because this is true for you. Do you have any, uh, superstitions when pitching, um, things that perhaps you might wear your pitch pants? Also, I should mention that we open these questions up to the team, and this one comes directly from one of the active partners, Tara Steinberg. Yeah, I think uh, that, that's a great question, Tara. Uh, I, I, uh, I do have pitch superstitions, and it's interesting because I, when I look in other facets of my life, I do not have any superstitions. You know, when I used to play sports at a competitive level, I had no superstitions. I am uh, not someone, uh, you know, I, I very much believe, if anything, we create our own luck. But when it comes to pitching, um, there are a few things I follow. There are uh, my lucky pitch jeans that I want to wear, <laughs> uh, assuming they've been cleaned and, you know, don't have a skunky smell. Um, <laughs> and, and then I do have a couple of pitch shirts, and that is just based on uh, – you know, not that I keep an Excel spreadsheet of my win losses. I do in my head, um, but I, I definitely have noticed over time uh, the clothing I've been wearing uh, that that I've done better uh, while, while wearing. Uh, now, I, I, I do like to cycle my clothes every couple of years, so uh, it's not like I have a ratty old vest that I always wear to pitches from the '80s or anything. But uh, but I think that would be uh, my biggest one. I think another one is, while of course every response is bespoke, th there's definitely, and, and maybe this applies more to the written portion, there's definitely questions we've been asked or categories we've pitched that have been similar to previous pitches. But if we've lost a particular uh, opportunity, I will never go back and mine that content for a future pitch. Fair enough. That's a good superstition. Sandy, do you wear your pitch pants for things other than pitching or are they like in protective glass with a like break if needed for an emergency pitch? Uh, I'm thinking in terms of shirts only for pitches. My pitch jeans, I, I wear on a daily basis. <laughs> oh, wow, you must be lucky all the time. You know, I don't think I've really ever spoken to anyone about my clothing choices before, so. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't realize really, this was a fashion <laughs> podcast? <laughs> really well, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> I love that you indulged us to hear about the pitch pants um because i'm sure graham and i have made enough fun of you over the years but uh you keep doing what works but is there any like you know lessons you've learned or like something you know like oh this one time this happened that, that you know that you never make that mistake again is there any like kind of like truisms that you've kind of learned along the way sandy yeah that's a that's a that's a dangerous one because i i think there's a temptation to always be reactive based on the last pitch. And the reality is no two pitches are the same. So, you know, some, there's always that element of second guessing. And if we had only done this and 
even when we win pitches, we sometimes I think it's important to really challenge, well, just because we did that then, do we need to do it now? But, you know, beyond that, I'd say there definitely are truisms. And I, I think back to this, this one is going back probably about 20 years to one of my first big pitches. It was probably a million dollar piece of business. And, and that was far more than anything I had pitched before. And, you know, I made the classic mistake of when the potential client told us that they really just wanted to hear about us. And then we went in and all we did was talk about ourselves. And then the feedback we got was that all we did was talk about ourselves and not talk enough about them. And that uh, I, I learned that lesson uh, really well. And I, I think that's a really important one. I think you you bring that in every kind of prep for pitches, like balancing the talking about yourself and selling why they should work with you with their marketing or or uh, digital challenge that we're trying to solve and, and making sure. I mean, I think that is probably one of the first things you bring up anytime we talk about a new business presentation when we get that far. So like you definitely carry that one through. Yeah, good. Good to hear because it's a it's a key one. And it seems simple, but it's easy to forget. Sandy, I had like a, a question on, I think we debate constantly about the pitch deck, like the the PDF or the keynote or the PowerPoint or whatever we're using at the time. How much do you think factors in like doing something completely bespoke for a particular pitch or a client versus, you know, showing off your style and brand as an agency? Do you, do you have any comments about that? Because I know we, you know, sometimes we go one way and sometimes we go another way. But I, I was curious what you what your thinking was. Yeah, I, I, I think in that regard, I always try to strip away. Are we changing things up because we're bored of this process? Or is is this the right way to go in. And I think, you know, while 99% of our pitches do involve, uh, you know, whether it's PowerPoint or Keynote, some, some type of deck, uh, I, I do think the more we can get away from following that, it can open up some really interesting possibilities. And to use it not as a crutch, but really to accent uh, what we're presenting and what we're saying. Where do you think the best place to, to like, because you kind of are at the, the razor's edge or the, the tipping point of a lot of our pitches, your first contact leading it up. What do you think is the best place to start for you? Like, where do you start when you start to like craft that? whether it's the written response or the, or the presentation deck, what, like how do you start the process? Well, I, I think the, the, the key part of the process in terms of kicking things off is really trying to understand if the client has a good sense of what they're after and, and whether they're aligned on that. Cause you know, it can be really challenging when there's, when there's multiple people on the client side who all have a, a different version of what they're looking for. But I think also something that's really important and frankly has been really liberating over at Pound and Grain is the fact that we recognize we're an amazing fit for certain clients, but we're not a great fit for all clients. And it's just really trying to get to that place of 
you know, that's still a part of qualification, but really beyond just from a financial perspective, are the principles and beliefs that we hold align with what the client holds and are we a good fit from that perspective? And I think that's something I really try to get to uh, from that uh, initial contact and conversation. And I, and I, you know, one, we're busy and I'd rather pitch things that I think are going to lead to a uh, you know a strong and fruitful relationship, and two, I, I I know clients and potential clients are busy too, and if you know they're out there talking to you know five and sometimes um, more agencies to try to figure out who's the right fit, if we can help them out in that regard, uh, or sooner than later, then that saves everyone a whole lot of time. Love it, Sandy. Do you think that some people are just natural sellers or is the art of the pitch something that anyone can learn? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's some people have who have more of a natural affinity to uh, pitching uh, than others. Uh, I, I think, for example, uh, empathy is required. Uh, it's a really strong quality for new business and really being able to read who's in, in the room. And But I, I think to a degree that that could be taught. Um, and that comes with uh, having the confidence of knowing uh, knowing one's material and, and being able to pay attention to things like that. I, I think also, while there are going to be people who might naturally be more charismatic or naturally be better presenters, uh, I, I've seen too many times people trying to change up the inherent qualities of who they are to move towards some ideal of what a presenter should be. And I think it's really more about finding the positive attributes within one's personality and, and amplifying those, you know, so everyone's got strengths that they can, that that they can play to, you know, and while the end of the day, some people are going to be better at this than others. I think clients ultimately want to, be able to talk to people who know their stuff. And that's going to be more important than uh, people who can hold a room well. Definitely. Uh, Sandy, I was going to ask if you could give like one like piece of advice from our end of the pitch to the clients on the other end of the pitch, like what would, what would you want to, to like say in general, since you have the massive audience of version control at your disposal, uh, like what, what, what's like one piece of advice you'd give to clients in the pitch process? I, I will say the number one thing is uh, to have a high degree of transparency in terms of uh, what you're really looking for. You know, what budget do you really have? What are, what are your concerns? Uh, what are, why did you reach out to us in the first place? What excited you about the proposition? Uh, what, what areas do we need to really discuss and get down to in, in, in more detail? I, I think that um, the, those type of transparent conversations will help us get to uh, a more productive place where we can decide if we are a great fit. First, second, or third? I know you have a lot of theory behind whether it's best to go first, if it's best to go last, um, what I'd love you to share what you're thinking without maybe giving away your your deep secrets. But like, where do you think it's best in the order to pitch? That's always an interesting one, and you know, I've had lots of conversations around that. 
and and I have spoken to several search consultants. So you know those intermediaries who are brought in by brands to run pitches and help evaluate. And I, I, I've asked them. I've said, you know, are there statistical differences? And I have definitely heard that going first or last is a big advantage. Uh, I've heard differing opinions as to which is best. Uh, I personally love to go last unless it's, you know, Friday at 5 p.m., then I'd much rather take the first slot. Love it. Uh, Sandy, I have one last question, which is rare for me just to have one thing, but... um... What's your dream client to pitch and uh, why? When I'm asked that, a lot of people assume it's going to be a company like Apple or Tesla. And while I, you know, definitely, if I imagine uh, those CMOs are listening, so feel free to call. <laughs> but but I, I think it's a lot more exciting to work with brands that you know have a certain level of sophistication but know that they're not leading the pack and and want to take some chances to get there so whether that's challenger brands uh i think that's really exciting because there's a there's an inherent need to take more risk as opposed to protect one's position in the marketplace and and i think beyond that it's really interesting when we work with clients who have a product or service that's essentially a new category. So, um, you know, whether whether it's a tablet or rideshare, uh, something that not only do you have to conv- convince someone that this is the right product or service to use, but we as an agency have to find a way to really describe, okay, what is this category that the, uh, the, the consumer is not quite used to. And, you know, it was funny. I, I, a few years ago, I had it in my head that, oh, we really wanted to work with a cannabis brand for that very reason. You know, it's, it's new in terms of a marketing perspective. But then, you know, when I think to all the false starts we had in the category, and, you know, I remember the uh, presentation we were going to do for a, for a new cannabis brand and the guy was supposed to fly in but forgot the day of the presentation and missed his flight. Maybe maybe it goes with the category, but I've, so I've soured on that. Very on brand. <laughs> awesome, well, thank you. That is a great little uh, deep dive into the art of the pitch. So thanks for joining us. You put on a clinic today, Sandy. Thanks for being in the hot seat. I always love talking about it. I think, you know, for anyone who loves advertising, uh, the pitch is the purest form of that. And uh, it's, it's great to really, it's kind of like mainlining advertising. Thanks for listening to Version Control, episode 37, The Art of the Pitch. If you like what you've heard, Don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes. Now let's talk rust-proofing. These Calicos will rust up on you like that. Shut up, Gil. Close the deal. Close the deal. 